Brothers and sisters, recipients of the priceless gifts from heaven, the mysteries that surround the great and glorious love of God that he gave to you through Jesus, and he gives to you in his supper too. Last week, Friday, I took my children to the story time at the library, and it was barnyard day. And so there I was on the library floor with a bunch of toddlers mooing and neighing and quacking and barking and crying. (laughs) And uh, it, it was a zoo, but towards the end, the teacher, or the librarian rather, brought out a big book. It was a big picture book of the little red hen. And uh, if I have to remind you about that story, as soon as I start telling it, you're going to remember it probably. The story goes like this. There was a little red hen, and she found some seeds. She picked up the seeds, and she went to her friends, the lazy dog, the sleepy cat, and the quacking duck. And she says to them, who will help me plant the seeds? And what do they answer? Not I, said the dog. Not I, said the cat. Not I, said the duck. Okay, she says. I will plant the seeds all by myself, and she does. She goes and she plants the seeds all by herself, hours and hours of work. Okay, so after the season of growing, the wheat pops up, and she goes back to her friends, and she says, who will help me harvest the wheat? Not I, said the lazy dog. Not I, said the sleepy cat. Not I, said the quacking duck. Okay, she said, I will do it all by myself. And she did harvest that grain all by herself. Who will help me grind the grain, she says. Not I, not I, not I. Okay, she says, I get it. Not so much my friends anymore. I will do it all by myself. And she did. Who will help me bake the bread? And you know the answer. You say it. Said the friends. Okay, I'll do it all by myself. And she did. She baked the bread all by herself. And now, the turn in the story, right? She's getting to the oven. She, she, she opens it up, and the smell of that freshly baked bread fills the house. It goes out the windows, and the friends smell it, and they all of a sudden show up at her doorstep. And I don't know why she asked the question. Really, honestly, if you already know the answer... And what you're going to do, why even put it out there? But she does anyways, and she says, who will help me eat the bread? And what do they say this time? I will. I will. All of a sudden, the lazy dog and the sleepy cat and the quacking duck have a positive answer. (laughs) And what does the little red hen say? Nope. She says no. I will eat it all by myself. And that's what she did. She ate all that bread all by herself. And we all cheered at the end because I guess that's what we do at story time now when we read books. Everybody cheers and they're going on to the next songs. And I was sitting there, crisscross applesauce with all the toddlers around me. And I always thought that was a great story. And it is, right? To teach our our children and ourselves about determination and about uh, sowing what you reap and about laziness and about responsibility. But I was sitting there and I thought to myself... That little red hen, that is terrible theology. (laughs) This is the curse of a pastor's mind. We can't even enjoy children's stories anymore. What if Jesus were that little red hen? He finds the seeds, he plants them, he puts in all the work. He grinds it, he puts it in the oven, 
And then the friends show up. And this isn't the little red hen. This is Jesus, the little red hen. And they come to the door, and, and Jesus says, who will help me eat the bread? I will, I will, I will. And you know what I believe Jesus would say? Yes, take and eat. This series, this Lenten series, we've been going through the ironies of, of the stories around Jesus' path to the cross and the ironies of uh, the people, what they said, what they did, the way that God worked in the lower story. It was strange, but he was working it all out in his upper story. And tonight, the irony is this. Jesus put in all the work. But do you know who gets the benefit? This lazy dog. <laughs> this sinner who didn't do anything at all. And that is true on what happened on Good Friday. And before that, Jesus says, I'm making this true for you in a supper that I'm giving you that you have nothing to do with. You didn't do any of the work, but I'm going to give you it all. And I'm going to continue to give you it all again and again and again. And you're going to have forgiveness and redemption and hope and the promise put on your lips and in your mouth. And you're going to taste it. You're going to taste and see how good I am. I want you to enjoy it. So Paul is talking to the Corinthians, and that's our text for tonight um, as we think about the Lord's Supper and meditate on what this night meant in the first uh, Monday, Thursday. And Paul is speaking to a group that he did missionary work to, and when he's doing missionary work among them, he's teaching them things like about the Lord's Supper, and he taught them that, and he's now gone on to another mission and, and other mission work, and he's writing them a letter in 1 Corinthians, and he's reminding them, and he, they need to be reminded because they're turning this beautiful thing called the Lord's Supper into this terrible um, uh, uh, click kind of a meal where some people were just indulging in the food and other people weren't getting any at all, and he says, no, 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 that's not what it's all about. He says, remember what I taught you from the very beginning. And so he points them back to what he taught them because he wants them to benefit and he wants us to benefit from the Lord's Supper today too. Let's look at the text. Um, it's on page 4 in the service folder. 1 Corinthians 11, starting at verse 23. Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. Let's stop right there. First of all, this is saying two things. Number one, Paul is saying, I received this from the Lord. Paul is an apostle. He used to be an unbeliever, but he came to faith when Jesus appeared to him, which is what an apostle is, somebody that has had interaction with Jesus through a revelation. And so what he's really saying here is, don't take my word for it. This is what Jesus has to say about his meal. And so this isn't my opinion. This isn't my take on the meal. This is Jesus' own words that he's saying, this is how I want you to understand my meal. And then he says this, that this, this is meant for you. He says, I'm passing it on to you. And what I have passed on to you and what I'm reminding you of again. So that you don't forget it and that you can benefit from it now and in the future as you do this again and again. And so we pray that we listen to these words so that we can benefit and take the full, the full beauty of the Lord's Supper when we take it. And here's what he says. And now remember, this is Jesus talking. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So Jesus and his disciples are eating a remembrance meal called the Passover. And to catch you up on what the Passover was and is, some people still celebrate it today, it's the meal that the Jewish people ate uh, in remembrance of the time when they were sprung out of Egypt. And in a short summary, this is what it was. 
when they were slaves in Egypt, about 1,500 years before this is written, um, the Pharaoh is not letting them go, and so God sends the plagues across Egypt, and he sends one plague, the final plague, because Pharaoh is so defiant. He sends one more plague, and this angel plague, this dark angel that goes around, and the angel of death takes the lives of the firstborn son of every household. Except, and it didn't matter if you were, if you were Hebrew or if you were uh, Egyptian, um, it didn't matter what your, what your nationality was, it went across all of Egypt, except if you took a lamb, and a lamb that was one year old, a prime of life animal, that had no blemish on it, and you slaughtered it, and you took the blood, and you put it over your doorposts, the angel of death would pass over that house, and the son would be saved. And not only would the son be saved, but on that night, people who believed in that promise would make a meal just like God said. He said, make a meal with quick bread, bread that doesn't have any yeast, doesn't have any time to, 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 to bake, and, and eat that bread. And, and on that night, eat the lamb too. If you believe in my promise, I'm going to deliver you. And they ate in haste, and they ate with their belts ready to go, and they, they, they were sprung from Egypt that night. And so from that time on, every year, the Hebrew people would celebrate Passover. They would sit around a table, and they would eat similar things to what were there at the, the first Passover. So imagine Jesus sitting at this table with his disciples in an upper room, and they have the similar things that are on the table that were there when God first rescued his people. And here he is in this remembrance meal, and he takes this remembrance meal, and he tells us the true meaning to all the dishes, or at least two of the dishes on the table, but he tells us the meaning of this meal, the new true meaning, and he adds a beautiful promise, a covenantal promise to the meal as well. It wasn't just going to be a remembrance meal, because it, it is a remembrance meal, but it, he adds something to it, and he gives us something very special, and this is what he does. First of all, he goes to the table, and by the way, imagine for just a minute, you're, you're, you're at a traditional Passover meal, and there it's set before you, and, and Dad, as the tradition was, is explaining everything on the table. Uh, he says, and that lamb chop over there, that's to remind us when we eat it that there was a lamb that needed to be slaughtered, that, um, uh, that parsley in the, in the salt water over there, that's to remind us about the tears that people, that people cried when they were slaves, and that unleavened bread reminds us of the unleavened bread that they ate at the first Passover many years ago, and that uh, bitter herbs over there, those are to remind you of the bitterness of slavery and stuff like that. But Dad, eat your bitter herbs, Isaac. So there's a meaning to all these things on the table. Jesus says there's a new meaning, and he takes two elements, two dishes from the table. The first one he takes is bread, unleavened bread. And he takes that bread and he says this, this is my body, which is for you. He attaches a new meaning to the bread, whereas it used to be this bread represents the bread that they ate the first Passover. He says, no, 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 this bread is my body. This bread is my body. What would happen to that body in the next 24 hours that he's talking about? It would be beaten up and it would be bruised. It would be put on a cross and it would be slaughtered. Kind of reminds you of some other thing that was slaughtered at the first Passover, right? Kind of reminds you of another being that was in the prime of his life that was innocent, that was without a spot or a blemish, <laughs> that lamb. Jesus lived a life just like you and me, except he never sinned in his body. As a child, he always used his body and his mind and his spirit to obey his parents 
And he always used his body to, to glorify God as a man. He, he, he never used his body in a way that the Holy Spirit wouldn't want him to use it. Because the Holy Spirit was dwelling in him. And, he, had a, and, he, and he, he was glorifying God. And even when he was tempted to use his body in ways that he shouldn't have done, he never did. He was the spotless Lamb of God. And, and so when he says, this is my body... And you know what happened to that body that was slaughtered. You know what happened to that body in 24 hours that would spring all of us free because of his great sacrifice. He's saying, this is precious. But he's not keeping it to himself because he's the little red hen that doesn't hold back. Do you see what he says? He says, this is my body, which is for you. Now let me ask you about your body. Over the lifetime that you've had, have you treated it always like a temple of the Holy Spirit? Have you always used your body and your mind and your, and your faculties to glorify God, or, 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 or are you not a spotless lamb? The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and that Jesus is the only one with the body. And so when he says, this body is for you, he's saying, take and eat. You, ha you don't have what I have, but I want to live a perfect life for you, and I have lived a perfect life for you, and I'm giving it to you. He gives us his perfect life. He gives us his body that he gave on a cross to you and to me. When our stomachs grumble for forgiveness, when they grumble for righteousness, he says, take it and eat it. He takes the bread and he says, this is my body. You are receiving Jesus' true body. In, with, and under, we say the bread. And you receive Jesus, well, we're going to see in just a second, blood, and with and under the wine that's in the Lord's Supper as well, because that's what he takes next. He goes, it says this, he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Okay, so he takes a cup, it's probably not plastic, and it's definitely probably not gold back then. It's probably something like a clay cup, but it's a cup. And instead of saying the traditional thing that's usually said around the table, maybe the four cups that are on the table full of wine are, are representative of the four promises that God gave to uh, Moses when, they, when, when, when he was about to free them from Egypt. Jesus says, no, no, no. This cup is my blood of the new covenant. What does that word new mean? What does that imply? That there had to have been a old covenant. Now what's that all about? The old covenant that God had made with his people was this, and it sounded something like this. I am faithful, God says. I will love you. I will protect you. I will defend you. I'll make you into a great nation. I will uh, uh, defend you from your enemies. I will make your, you many if and when you hold up your end of the bargain too. If you too are holy, I want you also to be faithful to me. I want you to live with me in this covenant. And that's what a covenant is. It's an agreement between two parties that builds trust and relationship. And he made that promise to Abraham. I'm going to be faithful to you. Be faithful to me. But do you know how Abraham did with that covenant? He ran to his gods that he had in the house. And he ran in fear in, in times when he doubted God. He made that promise to Moses and, and the people that he would give them a eternal, or that he would give them a new land, that he would give them a home, and, and what did they do? They grumbled. They didn't hold up their end of the covenant. He made that promise to David, and what did David end up doing? I'll make you a great king. But David, even David, 
murdered and stole and covered up and lied. And, and all of a sudden we realize this covenant is a good thing because it's perfect and God is perfect. And he's holding up his end of the donkey, but who's not holding up the end of the donkey? Us. That's why it would have been a really good business to be a priest back then, I think. Because you would be doing sacrifices 24-7 for the sins of the people. Good job, security. That covenant was going to come to an end. Because Jesus, on this night, he says there's a new covenant. And, he, and, and this was prophesied, actually, in the Old Testament. Here in um, uh, uh, Jeremiah rather 31. In Jeremiah 31, 31, Old Testament is actually talking about this new covenant that's coming. The days are coming declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. And here Jesus is on the night that he was betrayed and he's taking a cup and he says, this is my blood of the new covenant. It's here. The covenant of Jesus' blood was there and is here. And this is how Jesus' new covenant works. God was arrested, and God was beaten in the face. God had a, thorn of, uh, a crown of thorns put on his head so that, so that he bled for you and for me. God had shards of glass and rock open up his back for you and for me. God, who, who never sinned once, who was the spotless lamb, had iron put through his hands and his feet, and God had a spear put in his side. And blood flowed out of God, innocent blood. And that blood is the blood that he's talking about that pays the price for the end of the donkey that you and I couldn't hold up. That blood is the blood that says you can't do it yourself and you have to have my blood in order to be forgiven. And that blood is what you have when you have the Lord's Supper. Jesus says, this is my body and this is my blood and this is what you get when you come to my table. The hen that doesn't hold back, but gives it all away. For whenever, verse 26, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What Jesus is saying here, um, and there's a lot of things to be said about the Lord's Supper when we come forward to the Lord's Supper, but what Jesus is saying here is that when you're taking the Lord's Supper, you're saying that Jesus' forgiveness is present immediately and right there and always. That you believe that Jesus, when he put his hands out on the cross and died for the sins of the world, that, that he did that for you. And he's giving you that right here when you're taking his body and his blood. That you believe that. And, and what's more is, did you hear what it said? That you're going to proclaim that, that forgiveness that you do receive in the Lord's Supper. You're going to proclaim it until the Lord's, uh, until, rather, uh, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes is what it says. In other words, you live in anticipation that he's coming back right now and that his forgiveness is something that you're going to need from this time that you take the Lord's Supper and the next time that you take the Lord's Supper and the next time until he comes back and that you are in desperate need as a sinner to always come back to the Lord's table and say, as long as I'm on this earth, I need forgiveness. I need the new covenant blood. I need the promise. I need the bread. It means that when you are at high school, and you've taken the Lord's Supper, you've been strengthened by forgiveness, and you know that Jesus is there immediately with you, and he's coming back at any moment. In fact, you're going to live underneath that forgiveness, and you're going to fight sin in that school, just as if Jesus were pulling into the parking lot to pick you up. 
And when you're at work, you're going to fight sin because you've been strengthened with his forgiveness. Just as if you're about to meet Jesus at the water cooler and just as, as though you're about to meet him in the next meeting because he is truly present with you. And he gives you his forgiveness to strengthen you throughout the week. And when you go home and you're fighting sin, you have his forgiveness with you just as if he's about to ring the doorbell and come in for dinner because he loves you. That's his forgiveness that you get received right here. It's personal. And it's immediate. And it's something that you always think about. It says, finally, a warning at the end. Verse 27, So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Uh, Two things here, really. Um, First of all, Paul is giving us some warnings because he wants us to get the full benefit of everything that, that Jesus is giving us here, okay? And the first thing that he's saying is this. If you believe that you don't have sin... Or if you believe that uh, you're not in need of forgiveness, then don't come to the Lord's Supper. Don't come. Because what are you being offered here? You're, giving, you're being offered forgiveness. You're being offered a new uh, lease on life. You're being uh, offered uh, the beautiful gifts of grace and peace. And so if you think that you are the spotless lamb yourself, then you have no need to come up here. That's why he says, examine yourself. I truly ask you, if you think that, that you don't need forgiveness, then take an inventory really quickly with me. Are you a father, a mother, a son, a daughter? Are you a boss? Are you an employee? Are you a single? Are you a married? Have you fulfilled all, everything that God is asking of you to do in those areas all the time? Have you done it within the last 24 hours or the last hour? Have you put God number one in your life above all things? Have you never misused his name? Have you always sought to learn and grow in his word in the places that he reveals his word? Have you always respected your authorities, never talked back to your parents? Have you never said anything bad on Facebook or even thought anything bad? Have you never lusted after anybody? Have you never stolen or have you ever protected the property of your neighbor all the time? And the list goes on and on and on. Have you never been envious of anything around you or anybody else's stuff? All right. You get the point. You're hungry for forgiveness. I'm hungry for forgiveness. That's the first thing. If you are not in need of forgiveness, or if you, if you, if you intend to come to the table and then just to go on and keep on sinning because you think that Jesus is like a credit card that you can sin all the more, the more, the more, then you're making a mockery of what Jesus did when he spread his precious blood. And just don't come to the supper. But I see hungry people out there. Hungry for forgiveness because we know that we're broken. In fact, uh, one of my uh, favorite quotes about the Lord's Supper comes from Ambrose of Milan. He was a church father in like the 4th century. And he said this, something like, um, I am always sinning. And therefore, I always need the remedy or the medicine. When you come forward here, Jesus is fully and freely giving you the medicine that you so desperately need. And that's why I ask you to examine yourself. And you do that not just tonight, but you do that every time you know that the Lord's Supper is coming up on the calendar. Because then you're going to get that stomach full of grace. 
He says this too. He says, if you don't recognize the body and the blood of Christ, in other words, that I tell you that my body is really here and my blood is really here, then you're missing out on a huge fact. That as certain as my blood was spilt on the cross on Calvary, it's just as certain as it is when it hits your lips and you taste the wine. It's there. And it's just as certain as my body was beaten for you because I loved you and I wanted to forgive you by giving my body, it's just as certain that that bread that you taste is my body coming into you, with you. It's present when we have communion. It's present with the power of the word that he attaches to it when he says in another place, this is for the forgiveness of sins. It's really there. Finally, Jesus is the hen that doesn't hold back. Believe that. Believe it because he did it on the cross. And even though you can't understand how this whole, how is Jesus' body here, how is his body present in all of these different areas in the world that people are taking, believe that he's the God that gave you eternal life. And come forward with faith knowing that you're broken and that you are that lazy dog, that sinner. And when your stomach grumbles for forgiveness, here's what happens at the Lord's Supper. Jesus was the one that did all the work. He went to the cross. He planted the seeds. He harvested the grain. He did all of the work. And then when you smell grace, when you smell the bread coming out of the oven, then you know that Jesus is there and he's calling you to supper. And he puts down his body and he puts down his blood at a place just for you, just for you. And then he comes to the table across from you. He sits down with you as your friend and as your God. And he says, take and eat. Forgiveness never tasted so good. Amen.